and welcome along to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ebert Knight. And I'm Andrew Nicholl. And today on the show, we're talking about the current market for Airbnbs. And we are very pleased to be joined by a special guest of the show, John Lowry from The Urban Butler. Now, John, we haven't had you on the show since, like, episode number 65. And since there, so much It can't have been. Was it that long ago? Was it that long ago that we had him? I think it was actually the 50s. In the 50s of, of podcasts. Really? Oh, back in, back was, in the 50s. Back when we were really boring. John is the most tenacious of actually contacting us to get on the show, so I can't believe that Ed McKnight's been such a holdout. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. There hasn't been too much to talk about in the last year and a half. Well, let's talk about that. So what's happened to the market since lockdown started back in 2020? Yeah, look, it's a very different playing field last lockdown, March 20, to, to the current lockdown. Uh, back in March 2020, we had a lot of international guests in the country and um, a lot of them ended up extending um, due to cancelled flights, etc. And a lot of them were you know, genuinely scared of what was going to happen with this new pandemic. This time around, everyone's domestic and you know, unless they had an essential reason for travel and accommodation, then they had to return to their home and residence. So that is a very different scenario for us in as much as We have a few people staying with us that are renovating or moving house, some people recovering from surgery, but overall, you know, numbers are are very low this time around. And people are just genuinely disappointed that they have to cancel, you know, around events and things like that. They were planning to come to Auckland or to wherever they're going, you know, around that sort of thing. So do you have some numbers around uh, how many active Airbnbs there are in Auckland at the moment now? Yeah, absolutely. Look, from AirDNA, which covers Airbnb and VRBO or Verbo, they had around 5,200 registered entire properties in Auckland as at Feb 2020. And October 21, that number was down to 2,700. So just over 50% of entire places wow. that are available. And do you think people have sold them or have they turned them into long-term rentals or a bit of both? Look, it's, it's a little bit of both. At the beginning, there was a bit of a flurry to move to long-term rental, which in turn flooded the long-term rental market. Yeah. Prices softened, etc. So, you know, it's really the cash sensitive or cash flow sensitive owners that were forced to, to think of some other strategy. And what about the likes of, say, Queenstown, where, you know, there was certainly an expectation that that was going to be hit pretty hard given their high level of tourism there? Yeah, yeah, look, absolutely. Look, we don't operate in Queenstown, but from all the operators that I speak to regularly, they're still suffering. Yes, it is very much an international town. A lot of that void was filled by Aucklanders in between the lockdowns. But then as soon as they restrict Aucklanders from moving around again, then they drop straight back down in terms of occupancy. Yeah, it's interesting to see that back in July, the number of Queenstown Airbnbs it just did really well. Really high occupancy rates, rent up around that for just over $400 a night, I think I saw, for some certain properties on Airbnb. So really, really good. And then, of course, it has softened now that Auckland's closed. But what I really want to know is, so half of the Airbnb owners have held on over these lockdowns, or at least some may have, you know, maybe more than that fell off, but then more have come back onto the market. But the market has shrunk by 50%. Now, what's interesting during this current lockdown, John, is that you still have 2,500 odd or just over still there. So what's happening to them now? What sort of owners are holding on to the lockdowns? Why haven't they all converted? That's the thing that I'm interested in. Yeah, look, I think that after the first sort of series of lockdowns, when everything started to open back up, there was a, a big rush for people to book these properties and obviously a bit more of a supply shortage than there was prior to that. So a lot of the owners did very well during that period. 
we were targeting sort of mid-stays, people working from home, any essential workers and that sort of thing, which really helped to buoy the occupancy levels. However, this time around, it's dragged on way beyond what anyone could have imagined at the beginning. And, and I think that we're looking for that turnaround in order to retain a lot of these owners that may be starting to get a little bit itchy. Has it aged you a little bit in the last 18 months, John? Oh, mate. <laughs> Can you see? <laughs> and you're, no, no. Fortunately, the cameras are doing wonders there. Hey, so tell me, we used to say as a good rule of thumb that by putting your property through an Airbnb person like yourself, you can make an extra 100 bucks per week after you've covered all your extra management costs because obviously it's higher management costs because it's far more active from you. Is this still the case or do you think maybe not anymore? Yeah, look, we always used to work on a sort of net result of 20 to 50% above long-term rental as a sort of rule of thumb for short-term rentals. Obviously, the last 12 months, we've been lucky to hit long-term rental rates for a lot of properties. That being said, a lot of the higher-end, bigger properties have done remarkably well compared to the others. So if that's people traveling in groups or people just wanting to stay longer and people also just wanting to treat themselves a little bit because they haven't been able to do anything else like go overseas. So it's kind of a bit of a mixed bag, but looking to go forward, international students will come back and and, and take up a bit of that lower end of the market in long-term rentals. And I think that we'll see, you know, with the revenge travel coming back, that we'll we'll see a a, a definitely a high demand for short-term. Do you say revenge travel? Yeah, it's my new favourite buzzword. Is that when you you go away on a holiday that you're meant to go on with your ex? (laughs) Could be that. It's also, uh, it's, it's more around people being, you know, being banged up for for so long that they they just want to get out yeah yeah well let me ask you this then john what sort of properties and locations do you expect to do well or which ones are doing well now and which ones are not going to do so well yeah look for now we see you know the beachside mountainside more remote properties doing well also entire properties so people that are airbnb being a room or an apartment downstairs in their house not doing so well because People just don't want to want to have that contact with, with other members of the public, etc. What we do see overseas is that after the sort of holiday periods that the urban Airbnb start to come back a bit, and we expect that to happen in, in early 2022 here. Okay, so John, tell me, when do you think it's viable to own an Airbnb? And when, when do you think it's just the right time to cut your losses and turn into a long-term rental? That is a very interesting question, Andrew. Look, it depends where you are. Obviously, location is the key to this and where people are able to and want to travel to at the moment. We're seeing, like I said, remote locations, anything sort of cabins, pods, glamping, thing, and unusual setups are doing extremely well. Yeah. And I think that for the time being, anywhere that's kind of within an hour or an hour and a half of major cities is going to do extremely well. People yeah. don't want to travel too far whether that's for the risk of COVID or for having, you know, the likes of roadblocks checking for COVID passports during the holiday season, which is not going to be much fun for anyone. So, yeah, I, I would say that anywhere where there is attractions or beaches, that sort of thing, are going to do well in the short term over summer. Yeah. And then after that, the major cities and within an hour or an hour and a half of those major cities will, will do well under normal circumstances when they return. Okay, so if the likes of a standard apartment in Auckland Central, if that's not viable now, but we expect that, hey, it might become more viable in 
three months, six months, whatever that happens to be. If somebody wants to switch their property over from, say, a long-term tenancy in six months' time over to an Airbnb, a short-term rental, what do they need to do in order to do that? So from a physical perspective, it will need to be furnished, presentation on point, and have all of the inventory in there that guests will need. And that's kind of changing in itself as well as, as as you look at the different personas of travel people that are around. We're getting a lot of people staying for longer work from anywhere. So they need a coffee machine, uh, a nice surface for them to use for their laptop, contactless check-in, all these other sort of things that make them feel comfortable to book under the current sort of environment. Do you have a list of standard things that you'd put inside an Airbnb apartment? Absolutely, yep. Yeah, we have a very detailed list of what goes in there. Where would someone find that? We can send it to them if they contact us. There is, I think, also a blog on our website around what you need to put in your Airbnb property to, to maximize it. What does it cost, roughly? In order to fit out an apartment? Yes. Yeah. Look, it can cost you anything from, say, 10 or 12 grand through to, you know, whatever you want to spend. But to get the basics right, you know, I would say a one bedroom would be sort of twelve to 15,000 minimum and then up from there. And Andrew, let me ask you this, in terms of the tenancy side, because of course there are so many limited ways you're able to move a tenant on these days, one little clause in the Residential Tenancies Act is if you're going to use an apartment or a property for a commercial purpose, then you are able to give the tenants notice. Now, do you believe that an Airbnb would come under a commercial purpose? I would try it on, that's for sure. I think that that seems reasonable because, you know, you often have commercial insurance to go with an Airbnb. So I would think that that seems absolutely fair to consider that commercial. Because the only other way you'd be able to do it that I can think of is if you've got a fixed tenancy that you wait for it to run out and then hope your tenant doesn't want to move over to periodic. Or the alternative is if you were going to conduct some renovations because you're turning it over to an Airbnb, (laughs) then you'd be able to give notice. Do you know what I mean? We're now slipping into the category that we we call this Eddie's loopholes. <laughs> now, uh, now, final question for you. While we're on the topic of commercial th- costs, what's the story with commercial rates? Ah, uh, yes, this is beautiful. So just recently, I think in the last couple of weeks, the APTR or APRT, I always get it the wrong way around, has been scrapped in Auckland and we fully support that. It, it was a flawed system from the beginning that the council did, wouldn't believe it. That was the bed tax, right? That was the bed tax. That was the bed tax, yeah, which was charged to the owner of the property. There is so many reasons why that's wrong, but the main one being that the tourist is putting the extra strain on the utility and they should be paying the same as you do in every other country in Europe and the US and and everywhere else. The tourist plays the tax, that goes straight to the council and it's a very simple system. There was a paper that's just been submitted by Airbnb to Parliament, which is around a fixed sort of system throughout New Zealand. And it talks about the patchwork of different regulation that's throughout New Zealand and, and, and the reasons why they should consolidate it into one easy to use system. And that talks around, again, the tourist tax as traditionally seen in other countries.
Let me ask you this, John, as well. You said before that the Airbnbs that are going to do really well are those ones by beaches or the ones that are unique. And the way I've always thought about those ones are the ones that maybe a farmer builds on their plot of land or something along those lines. So if somebody, like, is that what you tend to see with those sort of more off the beaten track? I was going to say off the wall, but it's kind of off the beaten track sort of Airbnbs. Are they farmers and people who own big pieces of land or do regular property investors go out and purchase those sorts of properties and build something on it? Yeah, look, it's a combination of both, but it's often people that have got that extra piece of land where they've got enough room to section off that area, whether it's near to the beach or up on a mountainside or something like that. And just to sort of qualify that, I think that these types of properties are going to do well in the short term and and also, you know, going forward. But that will also swing back to to your more sort of traditional Airbnbs as well as, as, as things start to open up. And actually, that's what we're going to dig into tomorrow's episode, where we talk about the future of Airbnb and where we see it going, because obviously the sorts of properties that you're thinking that are going to do well over the next kind of two months through Christmas and January, like obviously Auckland Central is going to do very poorly because everybody's going to, going to move out of Auckland for a short time. But, you know, in the new year, perhaps that's when we get more of the business travellers back as the likes of Andrew decides he wants to come up and visit the, the Auckland office. But I tell you what, we'll get into that tomorrow. Nah. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. It really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want that list that John just talked about, around what you need to put into your Airbnb, we're going to link that in the show notes. So tap or swipe over the cover up. We'll drop a link in there. Or what's your website, John? It's www.urbanbutler.com. God, you really have aged if you're still saying www. I love that. I love that people uh, know. All right, all right. Oh, Urban yeah. no, we're both going to attach you there. I started that. So hang on. World Wide <laughs> Web. Have to have that in there. Thanks, John. Both of us pounce here. So you open up your Internet Explorer and then, no. Hey, look, let's wrap it up there. We'll drop that in the show notes. The tab's so the cover up. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichol. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. Bye.